Amen. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 51. It says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. What we're seeing here is a little bit of a conflict between Jews and Samaritans, and it would seem that because they knew he was a Jew and Jerusalem was important, they didn't really have any time for the Lord. Verse 54 says, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias or as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Amen. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach from this question. What manner of spirit are we of? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, we are so grateful to you, Lord Jesus. And as we've been blessed to be together in your presence, Lord, I pray that that spirit that we're about to minister about would move freely among us, Lord, that we would be yielded, that we would be surrendered, that we would have faith to allow the operation of God in our midst this morning. I ask you for anointing, Lord God. I ask you that the power of your Spirit would be in this place to set us free today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. To be filled with the Holy Ghost is an experience like no other. Not a single amen. To be filled with the Holy Ghost is an experience like no other. Thought I was in the wrong place. To think that God himself would choose to put his spirit inside of us is amazing. To grasp that he would wash me with his blood because of my filthy, sinful condition and then make me a temple or a dwelling place for His Spirit, ought to make us want to worship Him. Amen. Amen. We get a little too used to things sometimes. Amen. You see, when you sell a house, and I've been my parents this week as they're preparing their house and they move to Perth, when you sell a house, you hope that potential buyers won't necessarily see all the faults that you're aware of. You hope that they won't see this that's broken or that that's maybe a little bit old. But Jesus purchased your life and mine knowing every single fault, every single brokenness. And he paid so much more than you or I still have trouble to believe that we were worth because he said, I can renovate this. I can do something with this property and I hope you're glad this morning that he bought your fixer-upper. I hope you're glad this morning that he paid what he paid to give you the opportunity to be renovated by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whenever you see those ads in the paper that says, a renovator's dream or a real fixer-upper, you know that house has a whole lot of problems. And when he bought me, it didn't matter how they tried to sell the package, 
it had a whole lot of problems and a lot of brokenness. But he paid way above market price for my soul this morning. He meant James and John, sons of thunder, appropriately named, thought that they were being spiritual in suggesting that they should call down fire from heaven upon the Samaritans. They had biblical precedent, after all. They could reach back to the prophet of fire in the Old Testament where he called down fire upon the sacrifice and, you know, what took place. But Jesus rebuked them. In other words, he told them off, saying to them that they did not know or they were not aware what kind of spirit or what motive was within them. Another biblical example of this concept is found in Matthew chapter 16 where the apostle Peter has just been asked, who do you say that I am? And under the revelation of the power of God, Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou Simon by Jonah, or son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And Peter's feeling, whoo. You know, he's just been to the altar and prayed through. He's feeling excited. He's had a divine revelation. But then in verse 21 of Matthew 16, it says, From that time forth, once they got that revelation, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter, freshly anointed with revelation, took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And the Lord said, Peter, I know you're excited about what just happened, but you're just a little bit out of line. Now it says, He turned, speaking of Jesus, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter thought that he was doing something good. Lord, we don't want you to die. It's not going to happen. We won't allow that to happen, Lord. But you see, the spirit that he was of made sense to himself, but did not fit into the will of God. What started the process of the Lord speaking to me about this message was while my wife and I were traveling, we were at a fellowship meeting in someone's home, and uh, we were invited to go to fellowship on a public holiday. We thought it was just fellowship. We got there and everybody was there, about 20 people maybe. And the man who lived there prayed and then handed it to me. And I was like, okay, it's not just fellowship. But uh, we were fortunate the Lord was good to us. We had a nice time of sharing and the Lord was there. But a brother was asked to close in prayer at this meeting. And during his prayer, he made a statement that I believe the Lord caused to catch my attention. He said this, he said, Lord, give us a spirit of unity. And just something about that just tapped me on the shoulder, so to speak. And you see, unity in the church is something that God definitely desires. In fact, I think it's crucial to seeing his will accomplished in its fullness. Sometimes God is able to achieve his will in spite of us, but to see it happen the way he completely wants it to happen, we need unity see some very powerful examples of that in both Old and New Testament. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, Solomon is dedicating the temple. And it says, 
Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests, interesting number, sounding with trumpets. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, they lifted up their voices, they played their instruments, they praised the Lord, they said, He's good, His mercy and Joshua. The house was filled with a cloud of such power and anointing that they could not minister. We jump ahead to the book of Acts, and you know where I'm going. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, there's another 120, and they're on the day of Pentecost, and where are they? They're in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, it wasn't a cloud, it was tongues of fire. They couldn't not minister, but rather the Spirit of God ministered through them as they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so I completely understand and agree with what my brother was praying. And it's a good thing to desire unity. But God does not need to give us the spirit of unity. He already has. He already has. Amen. It's important this morning that we understand that when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we have the power within us to accomplish all, not some, but all of God's will in our lives and in our church. The issue or the deciding factor is not do we have the spirit of unity, but do we want unity that's the issue the Holy Ghost does not assume control of our lives and automatically download and install his will and purpose during the night while we're asleep I wish he did that would suit my lazy nature I just went to sleep and got up in the morning and all my software was spiritually updated that'd be wonderful the Lord said oh we need something there's an app for that but it doesn't work like that. You see, there are many things, not a few, but many things that God desires to see and do in us through His Spirit. However, when I am born again of water and spirit, I become His possession, but I am not possessed. Ephesians 1 and 14 says, speaking of the Holy Ghost, which is the earnest or the deposit or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So in other words, you have the Holy Ghost as a deposit. You'll receive the full package when He returns. But it still says that we are the purchased possession. Now you might not like to think of yourself as a possession, but He bought you. However, when somebody is possessed by an evil spirit, it takes over them, it controls them, and they struggle with that. One of the most graphic examples in the Word of God is the demoniac from the Gadarenes who when Jesus and the disciples came across the water onto the, the shore, this man who was possessed with a legion of devils who was they couldn't bind him with chains. He was in the tombs and screaming and cutting himself. But he ran to Jesus. But there was a fight going on. There was a struggle 
that was taking place. When you receive the Holy Ghost, we belong to God because He's purchased us. But the influence of the Holy Ghost is controlled by us, not by Him. You control how much influence the Spirit of God has on your life. You see, what happens when you are filled with the Spirit, you don't become overtaken and become a spiritual robot or some kind of Holy Ghost zombie. But what happens is the balance of power changes. What I mean by that is now that we have the grace of God in our lives, the Holy Ghost gives us the power to choose to obey God and to choose His will in our lives. Philippians 2 and 13 says, For it is God that works in you doing two things, to will, to give you the desire, and to do, to give you the ability or the power, what is His good pleasure. But it is you who decides. Very easy example in our current climate, we just had an election. If you understand anything about politics, then you understand more than I do. But to put it simply, we usually have a government and an opposition. I know I'm leaving out the little people in the independents. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. This is just for the example. But when we come to an election and seats are voted on, how many seats the government gets determines how much power they have in office. If they get a very strong majority, they're able to achieve a whole lot more because there's a lot less opposition. But when a government takes power by the skin of its teeth or a hung parliament, you end up with a situation where it's very hard to get things through because there's too much struggle. That's what happens in our lives. The more seats that the Holy Ghost gets, the more it is able to achieve through us. But the more seats that the opposition gets the less power the government has. And I'm glad that we don't depend upon our elected government for our eternal salvation. But the more I yield to Him, the greater majority He has in me, the more He's able to get done in my life. And just like in government, until He returns, we will always have opposition. But the more I surrender to Him, the opposition just becomes a bit of noise in the background, making complaining and carrying on. And he's just able to say, you can complain as much as you like. We have the numbers. Amen. Amen. You see, in our example of unity, unity is not achieved by us being overtaken by some supernatural hypnosis, but rather by the power of the Holy Ghost when we decide, we decide, that His will is more important than our will, that His kingdom is more important than my kingdom, and that what He wants is more important than what I want. You see, for us to have unity, and this is only one example in my message this morning, we don't need another spirit. We don't need a special impartation. We just need to submit ourselves to the spirit we already have. That's the difference. Amen. If you want to see the will and purpose of God accomplished in your life, you don't need another spirit. And one you've got now is sufficient. He can do what he needs to do. But if you're not submitted to Jesus and his word, you can pray until you pass out. 
But if you're trying to manipulate his will to be in line with yours or seeking his blessings and benefits on your terms, it's not going to happen. And we say, God, take this from me. And the Lord's saying, if you get your greasy little paws off it, I might be able to take it from you. (laughs) I could peel back your locked up fingers because we want God to take some things from us by force. But he operates through surrender. He doesn't force anything. But we ask him, why? Because it's hard for us to let go, so we just want him to do it while we're asleep during the night. doesn't work like that. Amen. We actually don't need more anything. We just need less of us. That's what we need. My issue is not that I need more Holy Ghost. My issue is that I need less Simon. That's my issue. Lord, I need more of the Holy Ghost. Well, yes, I do, but you can only put as much in as you make space for. Amen. We see another example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, who were very spirit-filled, said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto at this point you're not able to chew on a piece of steak. And he said, you're still not able. Why? Because they had the Holy He said, for you are yet carnal. The opposition was having too much influence. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Who's got the balance of power? Yes, he never questioned they had the Holy Ghost. He just said they weren't really letting God do what God wanted to do. The issue was not that the Corinthians didn't have the Holy Ghost, but rather that it didn't have them. Everything the Scripture describes as an attribute or function of the Spirit of God is available to us. Everything. The question is, do we allow it? Do we allow it? Do we allow God to do what He wants to do? If there's something that you read about in the Scripture that God says His Spirit can provide and you don't have it, question is why not is it because God's temporarily run out and he's waiting for new stock because the peace that passes understanding has been in demand this month so there's more coming from the supplier so I'll get back to you shortly no he he can't run out it's who he is it's not just something he has it's who he is so if we don't have a component of what he says we can have I'd suggest the issue is with me not with him You see, the Scripture refers to the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of truth. This is one example. John 14, 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, does that mean when I have the Holy Ghost, that suddenly I have all truth, that I just know everything? Again, it's downloaded. I wake up in the morning, and I'm the walking encyclopedia Britannica. That's not what it's telling us. It's telling us that the Spirit of God will lead us into truth and then we have to decide what we do with that truth. Your will is never removed. God gives people revelation and understanding of His Word, especially in the area of who He is and the power of the name of Jesus. But not everybody that gets the revelation embraces the revelation. Why not? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Tradition, family, pressure from different areas, 
there's a long list of possible reasons, but they are given the opportunity by the Spirit of God that is in them, but whether or not they benefit from that revelation is up to them to choose, just like you and me. What did the Scripture say? I look in the mirror of the Word of God and walk away, forget what manner of man I am. Rich young ruler, come to Jesus. Not a sinner, not a criminal, a good man. A good man. And ask the Lord. Be very careful what you ask the Lord. He said, good master, you know, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. What do I lack now? If you ask that question of the Lord, you better be ready because there's going to be an answer. There's not a person in this building and if you ask the Lord, what do I yet lack? He's going to say, nothing, you've got it all covered. Everybody's going to get an answer. Be careful when you ask the question because he'll tell you. You just might not want to listen. Amen. There are other things that the Scripture describes the Holy Ghost as. Romans 1 and 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Surrendering to the Lord when we're born again, there's there's an impartation of His holiness to us. That's initial experience, but it's ongoing. In fact, we're instructed in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting or completing holiness in the fear of God. That tells me that the Holy Ghost is going to tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to get that out of your life. The Holy Ghost is going to say, you know what the pastor was talking about last month that you've been ignoring and having a bad attitude about for last week? You need to get that out of your life. Cleansing ourselves. It's my responsibility to choose to submit myself to the spirit of holiness. That I, It's kind of awesome and scary to think that I'm involved in cleansing myself. It's not talking about washing away your own sins. But it's talking about letting the Holy Ghost do what it says it can do. Romans 8 and 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, father or daddy there's an intimacy in that greek word abba we are adopted when we are born again of water and spirit but then relationship starts you want to know your heavenly father you can let his spirit do some work amen ephesians 1 and 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him it's not another spirit You don't walk into church on Sunday morning and go, yeah, they've got the spirit of wisdom, not that one. We all have the Holy Ghost. Wisdom and revelation comes through the Spirit of God when I submit myself to Him and His Word. Again, it's about who's in control here. Amen. My last example, John 14 and verse 16, says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever life can produce some things we do not expect and those things can take our legs out from under us and I know that some of you have had heartaches and pain have not had have heartaches and pains that are difficult to comprehend others 
have trials and tests of their faith that seem like mountains that can never be crossed. I know that. The Lord said, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. When it says it's common, it doesn't mean it's light and easy. It just means that people suffer. But God is faithful. I'm glad for those four words. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation. It's a package deal. When there's a temptation, he'll also make a way to escape. Why? That you may be able to bear it. We must take care that we do not allow the heartache or the trial to become part of our identity. For our soul's sake, we must learn to accept the comfort of the Lord. I don't say that lightly this morning. I, I know that there's pain. I know that there's struggles. I know there's things that many of us are going through. But one of the most amazing things in my experience in the kingdom of God is to see and know people that have endured incredible things and yet still have the joy of the Lord, still have their faith and their hope firmly planted in Him and in His Word. Because you see, the difference is, it's their experience, not their identity. Joseph's identity was not he who was betrayed by his brethren, but rather it was he who overcame and saved the known world. We've got to be careful that our pain doesn't become our identity. The pain is real, no argument. The disappointment we feel in ourselves and in others is genuine. The heartache that comes into our families, whatever it might be, is as real as can be. But it does not define who you are. Why? Because there's a comforter. There's one who wants to comfort us. Amen. What is interesting is that when Joseph's father, Jacob, was told the lie that his son had been killed by wild animals. The scripture says in Genesis 37, 34 and 35, it says, And Jacob rent or tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, a rough, uncomfortable garment that was designed to be a statement of mourning, upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. We can refuse the comfort of God. Jacob was grieving because of a lie. Had Joseph not been the overcomer that he became, Jacob would have gone to his grave believing the lie, that there was no comfort for him. God wants some of us this morning to know that you don't need another spirit. The one you've got is enough. But that he is your comforter. That the pain that you have, I'm not suggesting he'll take it away today. He may do. But it is not your identity. The heartache you have in your home, in your family, in your own disappointments with yourself, that is not your identity. 
do not refuse to be comforted. The comforter is here. And we have to allow the comforter to comfort us. Amen. Stand with me if you would, if I could have a musician, please. Here's the question we start out with. What manner of spirit are we of? Do we try to respond carnally because we're afraid of the truth spiritually? Would we rather hold that pain close till it becomes inseparable from who we are? Or will we allow him to comfort us this morning? Hallelujah. I wonder if we would just lift our hands right where we're standing and that spirit that we're feeling in this place right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His spirit wants to complete us, wants to comfort us, wants to reveal truth to us, wants to work in us to make us holy. Amen. There are some things the Spirit is not. God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you're afraid this morning to completely surrender to Him and to trust Him, that's not coming from Him. But He's the comforter. I believe that He wants to minister to somebody this morning whatever the pain may be he wants us to find comfort in his arms but you're going to have to decide if you have a spirit of fear and what manner of spirit we are of this morning there's so much that God wants to do in us but it comes down to will I allow him to heal me Will I allow him to deliver me? Do I really believe that he would pay that much for a fixer-upper? Do I really believe that he can renovate this temple, this house? Do I believe that he hasn't abandoned me in my struggle? Because it feels like that sometimes. I know it does. It feels like that sometimes. The psalmist said it. He prayed and he said, God, he didn't just say, fix it up. He said, quickly. He said, make haste, Lord. I'm, I'm hanging on by my fingernails, Lord. Make haste. And we can't control God's time clock, but we can trust his heart. And we can say, God, you know my pain this morning. I need the comfort of Lord God. You know the lies the devil is whispering into my I need the spirit of truth I need to know what's right and what's wrong Lord I need you to help to cleanse me and I would separate myself that the spirit of holiness would work in me hallelujah this altar is open this morning spirit of God is here what manner of spirit do you want to be of today hallelujah Jesus he's not calling down fire He's come to seek and to save. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's come to comfort. You lock it up in your heart and pretend that everything's perfect. Put on a brave face. And the pastor asks you, how you doing? And you say, oh, everything's great. But inside there's pain. And God's saying, I'll be your comfort. I'll be your very present help. You just got to let me do what I want to do. Hallelujah, Jesus. What manner of spirit 
and the 12 spies came back from their journey into the promised land, the Bible says that Caleb had another spirit in him. There was something different about him that caused him to trust God when everything said don't, but he was willing. 40, 45 years later, he stood before Joshua and he said, I'm just as strong as I was then. Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Let me defeat the enemies. Hallelujah. It's up to you this morning. Hallelujah. Will you let him comfort you? Will you let him heal you? When was the last time you said, Abba, Daddy, Lord, Heavenly Father, I need you, Jesus. It's too big. It's too hard for me, Lord. It's too far. I'm not strong enough, Lord. Father, I need you. Take me in your arms, Lord God, I pray and comfort me. Hallelujah, Jesus.